All right, Matthew, what's up, man? Hey, Seth, how you doing, buddy? I'm just hanging out. Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Where are you at? I am in Mankato, Kansas, my hometown. So it's a real small town in north central Kansas, population about 700. So awesome. BFE until I start my first, <laughs> my first job. Yeah, I miss until, it. I miss, I miss the small town vibe, though, you know. I know. I know. We miss you in Kansas here, too, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so well, I'm in Houston. So um, those of you tuning in, um, I'm Seth Myers. I'm a, a sports Cairo. I'm actually in the North Houston area right now. Um, but I'm, I'm uh, interviewing Matthew, one of my really good friends from years past when we played football together. Uh, so Matthew, he uh, actually just graduated a physical therapy school. And so he's a doctor of physical therapy. Um, he's just got uh, his contract finalized, I believe, with his first real, uh, what, adult job. Adult he's, living, he's, yeah. yeah, he's adulting now. Um, but he's, he's back in Kansas, and he's been uh, very instrumental in my life in terms of, you know, everything uh fitness everything health and wellness but uh he's also been very uh prominent in the powerlifting world so like while he was in physical therapy school uh he did was it just one or was it a couple powerlifting meets i did two meets and they were both um last year so a little year about a year out from actually competing in that's right i actually did two meets in april so they were actually two weeks apart, so I hit the meets in April back to back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I kind of been just maintaining since then, but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do a very good job of introducing myself. So yeah, my name is Matt Brockelman. I just graduated from Wichita State. I know Seth from playing football with him for for three years at Kansas Wesleyan here in Kansas, and yeah, I'm stoked about being done with PT school and starting my career. And yeah, I should be. Yeah, Seth and I are pretty like minded and in the way we think about training and our philosophy for rehab. So yeah. So that's been a good friend of mine. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so where we're going to take this, um, I guess conversation today is just into, um, maybe a little bit clinical, but kind of more into the training realm. And so, you know, I've been kind of very interested in just like training philosophy and kind of like what you do on a day-to-day basis. So let's backtrack a bit and kind of go to like where you started training, what your like main goals were, and then up until today. So what did that look like? Sure. So I really got into training. I'd probably say seventh grade is when I really oh. got into old school. I'll go. I'll go way back on you. <laughs> my whole career was was it geared around like football or actually? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say my first love was football, but you know, I'm five, nine, I sit around a buck 65, a buck. <laughs> so, so my goal has always been, I just needed to gain size to compete in sports in general, even at like a small high school level. And so that's, was my main goal, um, in high school and growing up, even into college, it was just to gain size, gain strength, to be competitive. And at the small college level for college football, that's what I needed. So, it was kind of more of a, you know, a philosophy of more bodybuilding, um, yeah, football specific training. So a lot of power cleans, but you know, we did the program together at Wesleyan and it was more 
we kind of had more of a bodybuilding scheme. Yeah, bodybuilding. I guess you would call it more of a power building. Power building, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and it fit if it really fit well with my goals at the time because in a, my my goals are still similar i'm always concerned about strength and size which i'm sure a lot of guys are um but since um competitive sports have been over i've kind of been more i had a little bit of competition and i did one physique competition yeah I, I i was just thinking about that as you said that but like i totally forgot to even mention that you had done a, done a physique show so you've been kind of yeah. on both sides of it. both the you know how much raw can you just like grind out in terms of uh one rep max versus you know obviously the physique side of it you know how good do you look so you've 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 done both sides of it where you've had to cut really aggressively we probably had to cut for powerlifting too but like but then the other side of it is just like weight is a factor but really true raw strength is the big uh, factor that you're going for there so kind of give us a little bit of uh, insight into like maybe both sides of that coin and like what did that what did that look like there right yeah i think i think the main difference there and the the main polarity there is your your mentality going in and your your men you're like your mental wherewithal because going into a physique show or any fitness competition geared towards um how you look you just in my opinion, I only did one physique show, but I just felt like garbage. You know, you're, <laughs> you're super like a uh, calorie deficit probably. And yeah, like, yeah, for sure. And then you have to implement stuff that you don't usually enjoy. If you're a strength athlete, like cardio and, and cutting carbs and cutting calories, whatever, whatever way you go about it. So, so mentally, I think, um, I was more prepared for powerlifting. I think it was more enjoyable for me. Um, and just, just going in and being as strong as you can, not really have to worry about cutting the calories, you know, being weak for an extended amount of time. So that's, that's probably the biggest difference for me is my, my mental attitude toward it was definitely more enjoyable with powerlifting. I did do a weight cut. It was more of a water cut to both my meets where I think the most I dropped was 13 pounds, which it's not bad for that's but you got a, you had a 24 hour weigh in so that's yeah, not terrible I, 13 I, 13 is a lot but it's not like terrible yeah i definitely wouldn't recommend it for a two-hour weigh in which is a lot of the more that's, um, that's what i did so that so i competed in um for really for powerlifting yeah they have i i know definitely across the pond they do two-hour weigh-ins but i think like usapl does i think I'm pretty sure they did two-hour weigh-ins on some. But what did you do, USA, USPA, or what? I did. I did NASA for. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, the first one, and that was pretty fun because that's a smaller one. So a lot of guys have chances to make like state records. So you got to kind of yeah. consider that when you're. Was that a uh, 24-hour weigh-in too, or? That was 12-hour. Okay. 24-hour was the Manhattan one that you saw. That was. Yeah. You know, uspa which yeah. I, I like that federation a lot that was a a lot of fun it was the kansas state collegiate raw championships i believe yeah but they had different divisions so you were sure. uh raw or raw what was it i was just raw with wraps whatever well, yeah. that i'm not division sure. was yeah, yeah they had a, they had a, was. i mean that's powerlifting for you is they had a couple different divisions but sure. um yeah. And I cut down to 165. So I think I weighed in. Was that, that your biggest cut? Was the was that one or the first uh, one? 
uh, the first one I weighed in at 159. So I, I really, that's when I did the 13 pound. Oh, weight. even at the, at the 12 hour. Wow. Yeah. So that was a bigger cut and my lifts weren't where I thought it, I should have been, but I did have more of a substantial cut there. Um, yeah. You hit, you hit bigger numbers. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you hit bigger numbers at the, the meet that I saw. Yeah, I, I hit my, kind of like my goal numbers. I I did PR and squat, I believe, which I mean, we should give the listeners some context. These aren't crazy numbers here. It's like a, a 1300 pound total. It's definitely not elite powerlifting, but more just a hobby for uh, what I was It is respectable numbers though. I mean, considering your uh, body mass. Yeah. I, I mean, I was proud of it. Definitely. I, I consider myself strong for my, for my size, size. Yeah. But, but I've always had to be, if anybody knows our friends and our buddies, I'm always the smallest guy of our lifting duo or what, gang. Our, yeah. Yeah. Our lifting gang that we've had. So I've, I've definitely had to, you know, kind Make of up for up it. Sure. Yeah. Slinging around numbers oh. that you guys have been doing. So, and that's, that's good advice for anybody. If I give a piece of advice for training is surround yourself with people that are stronger than you. If you're sure. If your goal is to be strong and that's, that's been so beneficial for me. Sure. Um, so, you know, we haven't really gone anywhere specific with this uh, conversation quite yet. So like um, the, the previous talk I did with Tommy, uh, one of the first things I asked him right out of the gates was, you know, what are three pieces of advice you would give to kind of a novice uh, person? And so I guess you're in the perfect scenario where it's like, Maybe it's a strength slash hypertrophy oriented person and um, that's their goal. What would be three pieces of advice, three kind of critical things that you would say, hey, these would, would be the things that I would have you focus on for right now? Yeah, I would say number one, what I just touched on would be get a lifting partner if you don't have someone to go to go work out with. Um, and make sure they're at your caliper or caliber or a little bit above, you know, someone that's stronger than you. That's what's helped me in the past with, with any form of training. Like right now I'm training pretty specific for powerlifting and the buddy I'm training with is four weight classes above me and he's hundred pounds (laughs) heavier. Right now you said, yeah, a dude named Cody here in Mankato, but you know, just having that motivation and that, goal to look for and you know that's i think that's instrumental and it's because it's so hard to work out by yourself yeah well uh, so i just want to kind of talk on that and expand on that a little bit um so you already kind of mentioned it but like we kind of like vibed um towards each other when we were all at wesleyan and the the hunger for one person kind of fed the other i guess And so like, no matter what the lift was or like what the, not even lift, but like what the thing was. So maybe the thing for that day was like, uh, and you can attest to this, like three on three basketball. It was like, I don't care what we're doing. Like we're going to try and like be better than the next guy at that that thing. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, And so if you can kind of like gravitate towards folks that are like, I, I like being competitive, but like, gonna kind of push each other in a relatively positive manner like that helps in not just that one aspect of life but kind of all aspects of life because we didn't just 
you know, work out together, play football together. That was it. Like, you know, we were on the same three on three um, basketball teams, um, other intramural teams, uh, you name it. Like, you know, so, and, and, and like, again, some context is like when we were doing intramural stuff, it wasn't like, you know, oh, let's uh, have a few drinks and then let's go play this sport. It was like, no, no yeah. we came out here to like win. And if you didn't come out here to win, then like, why are you here? It was like yeah. that type of, of mentality. And so if you can find some folks who are like that, who you put in your group of people to be around, it doesn't have to be physically around them. Like you don't have to, I don't think you have to physically train with them, but if they are somebody you draw from, to get your training advice potentially that might be super beneficial yeah and i agree with any aspect of life i think a lot of people are competitive but i think the key is surrounding yourself with competitors who are competitive in the same aspects of life that you are like likewise if you were you know competitive and powerlifting surround yourself with people that are that way and then you know we definitely have the same social habits and our social life where we are trying to, you know, benefit each other. So yeah, you touched on that very well. I don't think I need to say much more there. So that was point one, you know, like surrounding yourself with the, the right training partner or training partners with similar goals, similar mindset. Uh, point number two, what would you say like for a novice? Uh, they're, Oh, they're trying to gain strength. They're trying to gain size. What would you say? Yeah, point number two would be to play the long game. I think you need to look towards longevity in everything you do, especially in your training, it, especially if you're a novice, because we've both been, you know, training consistently for I don't know how many years, 11 yeah. years for me, maybe 12, 13 years for you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, since I was like seventh grade, you know, like thir exactly. 12 or 13 years old, I started, you know, grabbing a barbell and doing stuff with it. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was lifting. So, and, and a lot of people don't realize that they come up to, I'm sure you get this all the time. And I get this a lot. All of our friends get this where, how are you guys so muscular? Like, what have you been lifting for like a whole year? And it's like, no, you know, we put in a decade plus sure. of consistent training. And, you know, I would, I'd, Another piece of advice is just not look towards the short term that your, you know, your goals shouldn't really be for, it's good to have short term goals, but think about where you can be in a decade. Think of how healthier you can be at 60 years old or 70 years old, you know, the habits that you can change now. I think if you look at it that way, there's no way you can't succeed. in what sure. you're So is that, is that two as a whole is consider the long game and kind of put the short term gain maybe on the back burner yeah. like look look towards longevity yeah because that's kind of what my mindset is now a lot of things like i'm not really in a competitive competitive mode so i've been doing you know lifts and things that i enjoy and i know that motivate me and yeah stuff that i want to do and it's not i'm sure injury free this way yeah, yeah. well and i've i've noticed that too with myself is uh you go in the gym and like, I mean, for me, the gym has been a place where it's, it's a norm. And like, so I go in there and I won't really have a huge, like motivational, like boost when I walk in the door, it's mm -hmm. kind of something that you just do. Right. So it's kind of like, 
I don't know, like when you get in the shower, it's like, it's kind of something you just do. But anyway, my point is like, I know if I go in there, even if I don't hit like a PR, right. Every single day. But if I go in there, like today was a great example. I did legs. I'm kind of on a deload, but I did, I did three by three. That's not a whole lot of volume. That's not a whole lot of load. And I did it at a weight that was like relatively light. Um, but I went in there, right? So, and I went in there and I used what I thought was pretty good form and I didn't let that be, you know, an issue. Um, but I know that that small little aspect of what I did today is going to add on to my overall training effect to help me get better the next day, the next week, the next month, so on and so forth. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. I like that. So, um, longevity and you know well that plays into kind of what you mentioned just for a split second there is is uh you know you being a pt and you've probably seen and i have too um the population that is let's say geriatric um maybe 65 plus age and and i know i can attest to this is like if that person had been doing training you know, and this is wishful thinking. If that person had been training for longevity since they were the age of whatever we were, you know, they they probably wouldn't even be in the office, right? You can, so, you can cross off all those comorbidities off the list. Yeah, you know? yeah well, that could be a whole other conversation. But yeah. anyway, um, uh, so let's go into number three. So that's one, two. So training partner, longevity. And then number three, what would you say? So for a novice, someone who's wanting to um, increase their size and strength, what would you say uh, point number three would be? I would say you have to, point number three, know that you're going to plateau at some point and it's going to get harder at some point. There are days where you're not going to get stronger. If you start training, you know, you're going to get a bunch of neural adaptation and you're going to get really strong. You're going to feel like you're just making gains like crazy for the first three months, six months, and then you'll hit a plateau. You know, plateaus aren't bad. You're still progressing forward during those plateaus. That's just a part of training. That's a part of life. And you just got to push through and, and have faith, be consistent, know that your body's going to adapt during those plateaus. So yeah, I guess that'd be point number three is once you hit adversity, as far as plateaus go, um, try to tweak some things maybe, but just be consistent and know that that's going to happen throughout your entire longevity of training. And it's not a matter of how fast can I gain it right now? You know, it's a matter of how steady can I gain this over over time? Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's, um, let's move our conversation kind of playing off that, that third point there. Yeah. What are maybe some tips or tricks you've got for plateaus? So let's say someone hits a plateau um, on, let's say all their lifts. So, so just making a general uh, conversation here. Um, they've hit a plateau. They can't really increase their weights at all. What would you say that would be a great tip or trick that they could probably try to try and increase uh, the numbers that they're seeing? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing they need to look at is, training frequency and just overall intensity are they overtraining that's that's a good question to ask yourself um either overtraining or under recovering so you can just look at simple stuff am i getting my seven to nine hours of sleep per night am i hitting my macros and calories all the little things that 
that could be affecting um, your training when you're yeah can I can I uh, say something real fast so like yeah those two things that you just mentioned are like if you made a pyramid yeah and people have done this before like renaissance periodization if you guys haven't heard of that go look up they they've got a pyramid if you made a pyramid of things that are important for training those things would be at the very base of that pyramid right so just sleep in and overall uh caloric intake can make a huge difference so critical in in what you see for an outcome for training everything else that you see like nutrient timing you know when do i need to eat this supplemental stuff um is is at the bait or at, i'm sorry at the top of the pyramid in terms of that makes a more minuscule effect as opposed to your sleeping, your uh, nutrition, as well as kind of the overtraining, what you mentioned earlier. And if yeah, I can just say something real fast on that. So like maybe you're, you need to just take a deload week for a little while. So I know you've uh, been big into deloads right now too. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've been telling you guys about my deload. So um, I mean, essentially, so if we look at hypertrophy or strength, both of them are very similar in the research in terms of the goal is to add a bunch of stress to the body so much so that the body wants to adapt to that stress. So we've got a level of, yeah, so we've got a level of stress we keep adding week after week after week. And then with that stress comes fatigue from the body that we get. So the body will start to get more and more fatigued. So obviously it's not like totally black and white. It's on a spectrum. But if you keep doing stuff that stresses the body over and over and over again, odds are muscles, joints, nervous system is getting more and more fatigued. And so after three, four, maybe five weeks, if you've gone that long, odds are like those things just need a break, right? So like you need to unload the joints, unload the muscles, unload maybe that nervous system for just a little bit. And so if you go three, four, five weeks on of just nailing yourself and then taking a week to just kind of take everything back, not necessarily resting, but just, you know, take some of the percentages down, take some of the overall volume down. I think you can see a really, really good kind of like counterbalance effect when you come back out of that deload to hit some heavier weights, hit some higher volumes, things of that nature. So, I mean, the things that you mentioned earlier are just like, you know, things that I think people overlook, especially the novice. They go right into like, what supplements do I need to take? Like, what yeah. can I take to get me like jacked, right? Or how, yeah, because you're, you're fresh at it and you want to go gung-ho on it. And it's, it's more of the mindset of how hard can I push this and how fast can I push it? And you kind of have to adapt the mindset of how can I put my body in the best potential to adapt to all the stress I'm putting on it so I can actually grow and that's where your sleep comes in that's where your you know your caloric intake comes in that's where your hydration comes into play and those are yeah they should be at the base of your pyramid and the foundation of your training but a lot of people just look at it as okay how how heavy am I lifting how long am I taking in the gym and what supplements am I taking which exactly yeah that's those are good points Seth um, so let's kind of flip the script a little bit. Let's look at, so Matthew just graduated uh, physical therapy school. 
let's look at, so if you were to look at training from that longevity standpoint that you looked at earlier, I mean, maybe what would that look like or what would you recommend for maybe an older population who just wants to stay healthy and not have like substantial comorbidities? What would you say for that? Yeah, I would probably say for longevity's sake, think of stuff that you enjoy as far as your exercise routine goes and stick with that because I think the more you enjoy it, the more um, you're going to be able to make it a habit definitely um and then for longevity you don't have to be doing 100 percent every single day of the week if you're doing a you know a five-day training cycle you don't have to be maxing out you know for longevity like for me i'm i consider myself at being in a maintenance phase for the past probably since those powerlifting meets in april so for almost you know a little over a year i've almost been just in a maintenance phase i'm keeping my bench to a certain number if i i know if i'm if i can't bench 315 there's a problem for me i know if i can't squat 405 425 there's a problem for me if i know i can't pull in the upper floors then i'm getting weaker and those are kind of my maintenance kind of my baseline my baseline numbers for those lifts so i know my baseline fitness and i try to just train towards that and um, make sure I'm not getting under that. And this, these are workouts that I know I can do for the next 10 to 15 years without substantial injuries or, you know, burnout. Um, and for the older population, I would say, you know, the CDC recommends all the things you really need to do to, to stay in general shape, um, you know, as far as an activity protocol and proper hydration and all that. Um, but I definitely think the older population would benefit from, you know, picking up a barbell, getting into some resistance training. The research is there that supports, you know, resistance training in pretty much any population as far as we're going youth to, you know, the old elderly. So um, old, old, the old, old elderly. So yeah, yeah, if you, and that's, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to be working with anyone in PT or even in Cairo we see the geriatric population and that's, that's what we got to push is, is to change the habit that, or the mindset that people that are elderly can't lift weights. So yeah, that's, been, that's tough sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Because they think this is going to make my arthritis so much worse. This is going to be so painful. You know? Well, let's, let's dive into that for just a second. So I see that a lot as a Cairo, you know, people will come in and they'll tell me, you know, Oh, I've got arthritis here. Or, oh, my doc, you know, a couple of years ago told me, like, you know, I can't do X, Y, and Z. So just as a, as a fresh grad, like, how would you address patients who are telling you these things that you, you maybe don't think are a prime contributor to what's going on? Or maybe are things that you think you can work around? What, what would you say to that? Yeah, I would definitely see where we where we are now with the patient. So... You know, a lot of the times you see patients that say, well, I saw an orthopedist 10 years ago and he said I should never do squats anymore. Well, that was that was your tissues 10 years ago. You know, you have completely different tissues now. Um, so you got to just take patients where they're at. Um, you definitely don't want to undermine any other medical professions and, and their expertise or their advice they're giving patients. But, you know, people change over time. So, you know, if that advice was given quite a while ago you have to take that into consideration and 
find the baseline for that patient and then slowly progress it, uh, you know, give that patient progressive overload, just like you would give your training protocol and see where you can get, um, you know, in a pain-free progression. That's, that's how I would attack it. And that's, yeah. So, so would you say like, you would just kind of like explain to the patient to like do something and then see how they take it? Yeah. Yeah, because, and the reason why I say that is because that's kind of exactly what I do. Because, like, if someone has this preconceived idea, like, oh, I shouldn't squat, well, if you tell them, hey, we're just going to sit down to this chair and stand back up, you didn't say the word squat, but you kind of, like, are yeah. hinting around that you were squatting. And then you say, oh, how did that feel? And they say, oh, that didn't feel too bad. Well, what do you know? Like, by golly, they can squat. And so then you'd give them, you know, that maybe as homework. And um, even though they have this idea that they can't squat, well, all of a sudden, like, you've shown them that they can, and obviously they can, and then maybe that's something that they do for uh, rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And we do see that quite frequently, you know, with patients in, in PT. But I think that's – that's a goal of mine as far as a new grad PT is I don't want to put limits. Oh, sorry about that. I don't want to put that limits. That was me. On. That was both of us. We're in the same group. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as, as a new grad PT, a goal of mine is I don't want to put limits on any patient. There's, there's no way I should say that, you know, this patient can't do a squat or can't do a deadlift because people are so adaptive and, and plastic and with their plasticity and how they adapt. So yeah, that's, you, you are dealing with a lot of um, bad language that has been passed down through um, previous medical providers or maybe just something they looked up on the internet. Um, you're dealing with a lot of, you know, fear mongering over an extended period of time with patients. So that's, that's something we got to battle. And I think if you do it smartly and wisely and over time with the patients, you can definitely conquer those fears. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so Matthew, We've had some pretty good um, topics here. Is yeah. there anything that you would – so let's dive into just real briefly because we've already talked about a bunch. Is there anything you would recommend in terms of like nutrition or diet that um, maybe you haven't mentioned before? Mm. No, I really don't have a preference on a specific diet. Okay. I do nutrition. Um, I would say a general rule of thumb for everybody – is we're probably all overeating. <laughs> this is, this is, and we probably don't have our portions under control. This is something um, I've come to know personally, and just by observing people. Um, so keep that in mind, it, especially if you have trouble with your weight and the goal is to lose weight. Think about it if you're actually hungry the next time you go to eat. Another thing is. Um, I'm 25, so I just got my first blood lipid um, and pretty much complete uh, blood profile done. And it's if you haven't done that before and you're age appropriate, I definitely would do it because that is valuable information that can shape the course of your life. And you definitely need to um, adjust your nutrition accordingly. And I kind of found that, that out the hard way <laughs> this spring with my with my lipid count. So. Yeah, it's just um, trial and adaption and, you know, trying to figure out what's best for you nutrition-wise. I don't think there's a gold standard diet. 
by any means. You have to figure out what works for you. If and it if it does, just roll with it. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a really good point. So uh, with Tommy, I mentioned a few things that we typically might recommend for like uh, people who you said you're eating too much. So like something that we said was like drinking a you know a cup full of water right before. Eating a full meal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just so you can kind of feel that full sensation. Yeah, I would so. almost go a step further. A uh, strategy that I've had when I was water loading and slightly cutting calories for powerlifting, I would do, you know, a, a full glass before, a full glass during, and then I would save room for a full glass after. So I would have quite a few fluid ounces of h2o in my stomach and not enough room for food which 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 it's a good strategy and helps keep hydrated too yeah it just gives you that full Uh, sensation like after a meal dr tommy yeah good um so uh we'll just leave off here with uh where can folks find you at where can people follow you at yeah so i'm trying to be more active on my social media but instagram is matt brockelman uh, last name is kind of hard to spell. Spell it out for us. B R O E C K E L M A N. And that's pretty much the most active social media platform that I'm on. The other ones are kind of just dormant with personal stuff. So you guys don't need to worry about that. But be on the lookout for some collaborative works between all of us bros in the medical field. We're going to put out some good stuff for you guys. I'm excited for it. Awesome. Um, and for those of you who are listening, you can follow me. Um, just recently changed my Instagram at uh, Barbell Cairo. So Barbell and then underscore Cairo, C-H-I-R-O. Um, so that's where you can find a lot of my stuff. Um, anything else, Matthew, you want to add? No, thanks for having me. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Oh, yeah. We, we will uh, continue to to do a, a few more conversations as we continue this uh, adventure with all of us here. But yeah. uh, it's, it, yeah, it's been really great having a couple different medical professionals on the, on the air and seeing what they're all like. So yeah. anyway, this is Matthew Brockman and I'm sure we'll have him on for uh, a bunch more conversations. Thanks guys. I appreciate it.